Okay, Max, you've had your fun. It's time to go. Come on, Allison. Max, she's right. Let's go. Oh, come on. It's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Max, I'm not kidding this time. It's time to go. Max, no! Three witches come back from the dead and plan to kill children to stay young forever. Listen as we chat about why Charlie Sheen plays characters named Charlie, how you define a virgin, and why parents don't name their kids Elliot. Then we find out if Hocus Pocus stands the test of time. James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with a glut Alan says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Test of Time podcast. I'm your host, James, the Incredible Hulk Brief. And joining me, as always, is Alan, the wee podcast director, Noah. Um, I object to both of those nicknames. They are terrible, and they must be stricken from the record. Fine, I'm just my normal James Scooter Brief. No. If you're a nickname, it's Snowball, and you know it. Scooter. No. I am excited to talk to you today, James, about the movie Hocus Pocus. I had never seen Hocus Pocus. Had you ever seen Hocus Pocus? I'd seen Hocus Pocus once before, and it was not in our childhood. It was within the last 10 years or so, and I knew this film when it came out. Uh, I'm not sure you knew about this film, right? I guess. I don't think it really like ever made an impact in my world you know like i guess it was like maybe a blip on my radar like i knew that it existed but i didn't really ever have any desire to see it i never heard anyone say oh my god you have to watch hocus pocus no i never heard people saying oh my god you have to watch hocus pocus this film came out when we were like 13 or so so we were at that age where you're too big for like kid things right but um you're not quite watching adult things so it kind of passed us but i would hear the same thing from women about this film it is a film that they owned on dvd and they would say that they had a huge crush on the lead character in this film the uh character of max played by the actor omri katz Uh uh-huh I guess I can see that. He was a good-looking young kid. Do you know who they tried to get for this uh, role? Oh, it was Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. And he was on uh, Growing Pains at this point. Um, yeah. Maybe he was in a film or two, but he was not available. He wound up doing What's Eating Gilbert Grape. It's almost like they said, get me DiCaprio's lookalike. And this guy doesn't look like DiCaprio, but this is like trying to draw a 1993 Leonardo DiCaprio from memory. You get this guy. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That is totally fair. The way I sort of pictured him was like, if they needed another brother on home improvement or like a, a cousin or something who was going to be like that kind of heartthrob type kid, this kid could be that kid. You know, like he, he just has that young 90s teen beat sort of look to him 
Right. And uh, even in the beginning of the film, it takes place in the 17th century. And there's a character that I thought almost was this same actor. I thought maybe, oh, that's clever. They had him play the 17-year-old heartthrob in the 1600s and the 1900s. Actually, I even thought that the guy in the past, I had to look him up, I thought it was Jonathan Brandis. Oh. Because, you know, they all had that... What did they call the mop cut? Or it wasn't a bowl cut. It, no, not a bowl cut. Like mop top, the mushroom cut, or something like that. A mushroom top, or I forgot what it was called. Mushroom cloud, maybe. <laughs> I have no, no idea. No, that's not. I right. don't remember what it was. But that actor, uh, Sean Murray, he has actually had something of a decent career. He was on JAG. He's been on NCIS for like many, many, many years. The kid who plays Max, he's really hasn't done anything. He really uh, hasn't had much of an acting career since Hocus Pocus. Neither of those characters will be back in Hocus Pocus 2 which is hitting Disney Plus the same day that this episode comes out. Neither the actors, neither the characters. Both. Ah. I think that's right. The only actors that are returning for Hocus Pocus 2 are the three Sanderson sisters and the guy who plays the zombie. Billy? Yeah, 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 Billy. Uh, I believe he's coming back. But none of the other actors who were kids in the first movie are back it's not like you know they're kids or anything like that according to the synopsis i read on wikipedia the actor that played billy is coming back i believe so while i was watching this film thinking of the sequel i was like well i guess this is the easiest person to you know replace i just looked it up he is back the actor's name is doug jones and he is back as billy butcherson for hocus pocus 2 because the fans demanded it? Question mark? I'll bet you that actor had a good time and that this was a very good set. I read somewhere that Bette Midler once said this was the most fun she ever had on a movie set or the five months on the Hocus Pocus movie. And she's been in a lot of films, folks. And yeah. I will bet that everyone just really got along and they were like, hey, Doug, we're making another. It's happening. Yeah, the rumors are true. Do you want to come back? I don't think he got a major uh, pay bump, but I bet, you know, they made it worth his while. You know, it's a way to get one of their friends paid, you know, kind of one of those Adam Sandler gigs. Right, right, right. But you know what's funny? The sister in Hocus Pocus uh, is played by Thora Birch. And, you know, she's gone on to have a... Decent career. I feel like, you know, that's a name that you've heard. She was in American Beauty. She's in the new uh, Wednesday TV show, you know, like the Adams Family thing. I mean, it would have been easy to bring her back uh, unless she's actively doing the Wednesday show and, you know, schedule conflicts. But, you know, for her to do a cameo, I think she could have found a way to, to do a cameo. I guess it also is possible that it is a surprise cameo that she's in it and it just hasn't leaked online yet. And by the time people are listening to this podcast episode, everyone will be like, no, she is in it. I don't know. Whatever. So uh, for people that may not have seen this film before or if it's been a while, uh, this film is about the three Sanderson witches. And they steal the life forces of children to stay young. And after killing a young girl in 1693, the trio are hanged. And 300 years later in the modern world, well, the modern world of 1993... A young boy named Max and his sister Danny have just moved to Salem, Massachusetts. And people there are obsessed with Halloween and the story of the Sanderson witches. But Max, he doesn't believe any of this hocus pocus. 
And along with his crush, Allison, Max and Danny explore the old Sanderson home. There, Max lights a candle, and the three witches are brought back to life. Max, Danny, and Allison team up with a magical cat named Binks, who is actually the brother of the little girl the witches killed in 1693. Binks helps the kids fight back against the witches, steal their spellbook, and prevent them from killing the children of Salem. Right. And this movie was not a big box office hit when it came out, right? Not really. Um, it had uh, nearly a $30 million budget. It came out July 16th, 1993. I had read somewhere that it was done to avoid conflicting with uh, That Falls, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. And maybe they didn't want to compete with it. But it uh, opened with uh, $8 million at number four. It wound up making $46 million. So, you know, like a five, five to six times multiplier. And that's not too bad. Uh, with this $30 million budget, it didn't make that much money. But, I mean, over the years, this became a Halloween staple. And the fact that they're making Hocus Pocus 2 with the same actresses shows that people really, really demanded, no, we want this film experienced again. So it's obviously made a lot of money for Disney. Well, what happened was they started airing it every year around Halloween on Disney Channel and then ABC Family and then ABC Family became Freeform and they were doing like these Halloween movie marathons and Hocus Pocus became like a big hit there on basic cable, basically. Uh-huh, basic cable, basically. Uh, but I think that's really where it found its audience and that kind of made me think of A Christmas Story, which was a movie that, you know, was liked but kind of forgotten but then tbs or tnt or one of them started airing it all the time on christmas eve and it just became the movie that a lot of people associated with that one holiday and you know there's a million christmas movies there's a million halloween movies but that's really where it kind of just found its audience over the years have you ever been to salem massachusetts no i don't think i have I went there on Halloween, and oh boy, does this town make a lot of money on Halloween. And for good cause. I mean, it's the place to go. I mean, they go all out. I remember there were parades, and there's like no car traffic, so everyone could walk around, and it's witches everywhere, and uh, the whole town gets really into it, and... You know, they've really turned kind of a horrible, horrible tragedy into like, oh, let's, you know, uh, dress up and, you know, give out candies. Well, I mean, isn't that sort of the American way? We just kind of take something terrible and commercialize it. And uh, that's what we do. We gloss over the bad part of history and, you know, just celebrate the stuff that we like. We're definitely a couple years away from September 11th sales. There are still like a lot of September 11th merch you know, never forget stickers and t-shirts and things like that that people are making money off of selling. But let's talk about these three witches, the three Sanderson sisters. There is Winifred, played by Bette Midler. There's Mary, played by Kathy Jimmy, And there's Sarah, played by Sarah Jessica Parker, which instantly makes me roll my eyes. That, like, the character's name is Sarah and the actor's name is Sarah. Come on. Just try a little bit. I'm quite confident that Sarah Jessica Parker could handle playing a character with a different name. I mean, most famously, she was Carrie on Sex and the City and the reboot now. I mean, I think she can handle it. 
Yeah, I feel like characters getting their own names are the kind of things you do on sets where there's going to be a lot of improv. Like Curb Your Enthusiasm, most of the actors are playing their first names. Jeff Garland plays Jeff. Because I think, you know, Larry David, he's just kind of riffing on camera. Or in that case, it might just be Larry David being lazy and just giving everyone their own first names. No, 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 no. That's because in that show, they're playing fictionalized versions of themselves. No, no, no. They're different characters that like Jeff Garland is not Jeff Garland in the show. I think he's Jeff Green in the show. And Cheryl Hines is Cheryl David. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be that the characters that they're playing are close to themselves, not really who they are. It's exaggerated versions, of course. But right. I feel like I heard that um Charlie Sheen likes to play characters named Charlie because he gets confused. Okay, that that guy's done a lot of drugs so like if that's a thing that he needs like okay fine but sarah jessica parker doesn't need that no and tony danza i think it more became like a joke that he kept playing guys named tony um he did apparently in taxi i I didn't know that show really but uh he did in who's the boss and then when we were like teenagers in the tony danza show he was tony Uh, i think it just more became a joke for that maybe maybe uh, well, I know Kathy and Jimmy. Uh, I mean, people know her from a lot of things, especially from this. But what do you think I know her mostly from? Oh, I know that you are a huge King of the Hill fan. So I'm guessing that's what you were going to say. Absolutely. She's the voice of Peggy Hill. She's fantastic in it. Rumors have been uh, whispering about a King of the Hill reboot. This may be a direct continuation of the series, or it might be a legacy sequel or whatever, requel, reboot, where Bobby is now like in his 20s and you know Hank is a little more curmudgeoned and a little older. But uh, Kathleen uh, Nijimi, she will be back in that if they're redoing it. Yes, I know you love her as Peggy Hill and want more of that. Uh, she was also in Sister Act, and she's... Fine. Sarah Jessica Parker in this movie is fine. But like when you said earlier that Bette Midler had the most fun she'd ever had in this movie, I feel like you see that in her performance. Like she's really hamming it up. She's enjoying playing this like evil witch character. And the other two sisters, they're there too. Like, they are just present. Like, Mary's whole thing is that she can sniff out the kids, and Sarah's thing is that she can sing songs that make the kids come, but that only happens, like, at the very, very end of the movie when they're trying to, like, beckon all of the kids over to their house. For the most part, the two of them are just, like, bumbling idiots who, like, run into each other while Winifred is trying to, like, do the actual witching stuff. Oh, absolutely. This is, you know, one of those Britney Spears videos where Britney's at the front of the triangle and there's four girls on her left, four girls on the right who are dancing in sync with her. You need the whole group to be dancing for it to make any sense. But this is a Britney Spears uh, vehicle. This movie is a Bette Midler thing. They're background characters. You know nothing about them. They're just there to help uh, Winifred. Right. I guess I just was like expecting them to do more to have more like characteristics sarah's also like pretty and so she like flirts with people sometimes all three witches are fairly one note i don't know i just was expecting kathy Jimmy and sarah jessica parker to do a little bit more than they do 
And I'm sure they will in Hocus Pocus 2 because they are much bigger than they were. I mean, Bette Miller still gets top billing because she will get top billing. Sure. But if you were going by marketability, you really could argue that this is a Sarah Jessica Parker would get top billing. By 2022, who is the bigger star sure. these days? And two other people to talk about more in the crew. Do you know who the director of this film is? No, I didn't really pay attention. It's a guy, Kenny Ortega. Does that oh, ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. He was uh, working with Michael Jackson. Right. He did uh, the documentary, This Is It, um, right. which was supposed to be the making of his O2 London Arena concert. Yeah. Uh, and then it wound up being more the you know tribute to him film. It really made you think, wow, this would have been an unbelievable live spectacular i remember hearing that yeah but um he is no stranger to uh musicals uh this guy did uh possibly the most famous musical in history if you ask someone 16 and younger uh rent no it's a television musical High School Musical? High School Musical. That's him. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you have a young uh, daughter, so was she into Disney's Descendants? Because that was also him. Uh, no, all of her friends were, but she never really got into Descendants. Okay. He did another film that I remember as a kid, and I've known people that have been obsessed with this musical. Uh, do you remember this musical that uh, young Christian Bale was in? It's a Disney film. Newsies. Newsies. Yeah, so he's done this. So that's his thing. The other person I have to mention is the composer of this film. Did you notice that the music was so Disney? Yeah. That's probably why. Because you just didn't even notice how Disney it was. And it's this guy, uh, John Debney. He is incredibly accomplished. He has done so many movies, but just not enormous movies. Like Little Giants and then The Replacements. And he wound up doing some uh, very big films uh, later on. He did Spider-Man 3 and Iron Man 2. He's not John Williams, James Horner, but he is one of these like dependable guys that people seem to go to. The guy is incredibly accomplished. So this cast, especially when you look at it in 2022, is a fantastic cast in terms of talent, box office draw, awards and you know eventually you know success in their career right but the movie itself is really just weird and disappointing and confusing like the movie starts in 1693 and there is a big brother who's trying to protect his little sister the witches are gonna like drain the life force from the little sister but the brother's gonna stop him he is and then, like, the next time you see the little sister, she's dead. And I was like, wait a second. They killed her? They're trying to give her the potion. And it's sort of like this exaggerated thing where she just needs to drink, like, one little drop from this big, huge, giant spoon. And you don't even see her, like, take the drink from the spoon. She just dies off camera, which, okay, maybe that makes sense because this is a Disney movie after all. But... It was just, like, weird in that moment. Then in the next scene, when, like, they're about to hang the witches, the dad is like, I'm going to ask you one more time, where is my son? Because after they killed the girl, they turned the brother into a cat. And the dad really seems to be pissed about the son who's missing. And doesn't at all mention his dead daughter. 
Like, it's just really, really strange. Like, the only way I could rationalize that is, like, okay, well, they found the daughter's body, so he knows what happened to her, and they didn't find the son's body, so that's more of, like, a question mark. But, you know, he still could have said, you killed my daughter, and my son is missing, but he's just only focused on the son. I thought the whole beginning was just really, really bizarre. Uh, I think there's a lot bizarre about uh, killing the the kid in the beginning. I do think it's exactly what you said it was, that uh, the girl is, she's slumped over in a chair. She's dead. Yeah. So they know she's dead, but where's the boy? And the cat who can apparently speak, why doesn't he just speak? <laughs> like maybe you could assume it's 300 years later and he just learned to speak after 300 years. I could see that maybe he can only speak once the black candle is lit and then the sisters Uh. come back. Maybe that's only when he could speak because before that, when the kids are there, like maybe gonna light the candle, maybe not. And, you know, if he could speak, he could just be like, hey guys, Get the hell out of here. I'm a talking cat. And then the kids run away and are scared because he says that, like, I have been waiting and protecting that candle for 300 years. The curse is very, very specific that Winifred cast before she's hanged. She makes a curse that if a virgin lights this specific candle only on Halloween, the sisters will come back from the dead. If you want to make sure that doesn't happen, which is, like, the cat's main job, that's pretty easy. You're off 364 days of the year. You work one night, and all you have to do is prevent a virgin from lighting this one candle on that night. And he blows it. He has one job, and he can't even do that. This cat is kind of a failure he failed to save his sister and he failed to prevent the virgin from lighting the candle that is true but this curse that they put on the cat is very weird it's like i'm gonna prevent you from ever talking and telling you know what we did to this daughter first of all who cares if you tell them like they're gonna kill us because we're witches anyway so i'm gonna turn you into a cat who may wind up being a talking cat, by the way. Why don't I make it a cat who can talk and the vocal cords are gone? I don't know. But also, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you an immortal cat. (laughs) Well, they say that they do that so that he will live with the guilt of failing to save his sister. He could also do that for the rest of his natural cat life. And cats live a long time. So he could be like 20 years, never being able to tell anyone in his 17th century place that meow, hello. Um, But no, he'll live in guilt and torment until his dying cat days. But instead, they left a problem. You're right. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Really, it's only so that the cat can come back later in the movie and, you know, be a character. That's true. And, you know, you mentioned something, and we definitely have to talk about this. There's a word in this film I don't remember being used as much, but it is the word virgin. Yeah, they talk about virgins a lot in this movie. And... I was in like a work meeting a while ago and one coworker was saying that she watched this movie with her kids and the question that they were asking afterwards was, what's a virgin? And that's a valid question that a kid might have after watching this movie because they say it a lot 
in a Disney movie. And I'm not saying it's a bad word. It's not a bad word. And it's not a bad word for kids to know. If the kids are like 12, 13, yeah, they're probably going to know what a virgin is. If it's like a six, seven-year-old, they're not. And there is a way you can explain it. I feel like you can just say it's a person who doesn't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or something like that. I would, first of all, not recommend you tell a kid that virgin means they don't have a boyfriend, girlfriend yet. Because when they're like like second, third grade and they get a quote unquote boyfriend and, you know, then they will go, I'm not a virgin, daddy. That'll be a fun day. Right. But um, it's really this puritanical, like, only a pure virgin can light the candle to release us. And at the same time, the very last line of this film is a virgin joke. They defeat the witches, and the cat is finally able, his soul is released, and this ghost boy is reunited with a ghost Emily from uh, the 1600s. And she's like, what took you so long? And do you remember the last line of the film, Al? A virgin got in the way or something? No, he said, I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle. And it's definitely like derogatory it's like i had to wait 300 years for a total klutz to slip on the magic banana peel hollywood really makes it seem like being a virgin's not a good thing at the same time (laughs) it is a good thing because they're like chased but also you're a loser which is why a lot of like 16 year old boys are very confused when they are virgins and they're like hollywood says i'm a total loser and i was supposed to lose my virginity at this at this dance not because of this movie though no but you're this talking movie, about hollywood in general i'm talking about hollywood in general but absolutely if i watched this film when i was eight years old i would be like what's a virgin this is not a passing line that we're like wow they snuck in that line that maybe the adults laughed at they say virgin like a dozen times in this film and it is a part of the plot like you need a virgin for the curse It's weird that they keep bringing it up because if they mention it like once or twice, like, okay, fine, it's like kind of a funny joke. But the fact that they keep saying it over and over again, it doesn't really add anything, even just in terms of like the comedy, because it's really not all that funny. Yeah. And we've talked about this in a couple films before. There were a good number of jokes about young women developing. There is a young girl who's kind of like Max's crush in this film, Allison, and the sister embarrassing him. She's like, you said how Allison has beautiful yabos and you want to see her yabos or something. It is funny. And that actually is kind of a realistic thing that, uh, I I don't know about the word yabo, but (laughs) I mean, this film probably is rated G or PG. It's just one of these films that you're definitely gonna have to answer a couple questions. I'm not saying it shouldn't be rated PG. Not everything is total Disney-esque. Or, you know, 1993 was different standards, that's all. Right, and I think today in a new Disney movie, you wouldn't expect to hear yabos. You wouldn't expect to hear the word virgin so many times. There's also a really inappropriate joke where the witches are trying to find the kids because, you know, they need to steal the kids' life force, and they're on a bus. They say to the bus driver, we need kids. And the bus driver's like kind of a pervert, and he's like, well, sure, it might take me a couple of tries. 
that's an inappropriate joke for a Disney movie. Even in 1993, yeah. Yeah. The thing that, to me, was the most, like, shocking moment of the whole movie was when the kids figure out how they're going to stop the Sanderson witches, and they throw them in an incinerator in their school. I think it's a kiln. And they burn them alive. And they quote-unquote kill the witches and really they just stop them for a little while but because of the curse or the hex they come back or whatever but like i was shocked my jaw hit the floor i'm like they put human beings in an incinerator and incinerated them and then the next shot is you see the kids outside of the school and they're like jumping up and down and dancing and high-fiving each other for incinerating human beings yes they're witches yes they're evil i know i get it but like no no you you can't have the heroes of your movie do that and maybe i'm just thinking this because i'm jewish maybe just because we recently talked to a holocaust survivor but like people in an incinerator makes me think of concentration camps and maybe that wasn't what the average movie goer thought of in 1993 But that's definitely where my head went, and I was really just floored by that moment. You know, that's interesting. I I was not thinking of the Holocaust at all while watching this Okay, maybe I'm the outlier. That's definitely possible. (laughs) No, I mean, obviously I can see where, you know, burning humans conjures that up. But what I'm wondering is, do you think they're going to make any passing reference to the fact that there are people that— practice a a religion they call themselves wiccans or witches and i read that kathy and jimmy she didn't want to take the role at first because she thought it might be offensive to real life witches so i wonder if they're going to make that uh, association too that like burning witches you know we're always kind of towing the line between the salem witch trials are supposed to be a lesson about you know it's a lord of the flies thing there is no monster like there were no witches right and yet hollywood's always like ah i know where we'll get the scarlet witch to have come from and and all these people let's just make it that there were witches in fact sort of hinting that the people from salem they were the heroes in some way because they were rightfully burning these women so that's kind of weird Right. Well, that's what I was saying earlier about how that's the American way. We take the thing that happened in our history that's bad and we put like a sheen over it and we just kind of dust the bad parts away and like, yeah, let's focus on the good part. And yeah, the way you can make it seem okay is, but what if there really were some evil witches there in Salem in the 17th century? And then, yeah, then it's not so bad. Of course, that's not real, but that's the way you can sort of put a spin on it. That's true. And the film ends, um, you know, standard fare of your uh, vampire kind of uh, Halloween kind of ending. The sun comes up and the witches kind of all explode and everything basically goes back to normal. Max has saved the day. He and Allison are presumably going to go to the dance together, I would guess. That does remind me of another thing that was kind of inappropriate. When they cuddle, they're like cuddling. Like she falls asleep on top of him. They just kind of met and they're sleeping together in the sense of like falling asleep. But even still, I thought that was like maybe a little bit more risque than you would expect in a Disney movie. I will chalk that up to, you know, it was 1993. They, they wouldn't do that today. And, right. And, uh, 
the movie when it ends and uh, the cat uh, goes back to his sister. That was very E.T.-like. Did you notice when he was a ghost and he goes to the little sister and he kisses her and he goes, I'll always be right here. It was totally E.T. Like telling uh, Elliot, I'll be right here. That was a terrible E.T. impression. Uh, I didn't really catch that, but now that you're saying it like that, that definitely sounds reminiscent of E.T. You mean my accent sounds reminiscent of E.T.? No, no, not at all. Just the words. Oh, okay. The, the voice was terrible. It's more like, I'll be right here. I will also tell you that the name Elliot has definitely been coming back. There was not a single kid that would be named Elliot in the 80s or 90s because then that poor kid. People would go up to him his entire life with their finger wiggling in their face going, Elliot. And I'll bet you nine out of ten kids today would not understand that reference. They have not seen E.T. When we were thinking of names for our son Eli, Elliot was on the list. And I was thinking basically everything you just said, except that it's not just kids that you'd have to worry about. It's like older people, like teachers would know E.T. and they might just call him Elliot like E.T. and that might be annoying for him. So I kind of voted against that name for that reason. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. It would be like some reference to like happy days. And you'd be like, yeah, I've heard that reference. It wouldn't really mean anything to him. But um, there aren't many um, Winifreds either. Right. Um, The one thing I liked about the ending of the movie is that they go back to the cemetery, which was a thing that they do earlier in the movie. And the witches can't go into the cemetery because it's hollowed ground. So they're quote-unquote safe there, but also not really because they're witches and they have brooms and they can fly. So they can fly pretty low and grab a kid even if they can't set foot on the ground. And I thought that was like handled in a clever way. Like just staying in the cemetery doesn't really give you that much protection. Then again, if you could like find a crypt inside the cemetery, then you'd be pretty safe. Well, I thought early on in the film when they were being very overconfident and saying, come in here into this cemetery. They can't come in here because it's hollow ground. I was thinking, I think this film is going to take place in the cemetery later. So clever enough. That's exactly it. It's clever enough. Um, Al, what do you think? It's, uh, it's decades later. We have a sequel on the way. Does 1993's Hocus Pocus stand the test of time? No, this movie does not stand the test of time. Not even a little bit. It's really, really terrible. And I know that people love it. I know that it's beloved. I know that it has its fans. It has enough fans that... People were clamoring for a sequel, and Disney agreed to make the sequel. It's only for Disney+, Plus, and if there was no such thing as Disney+, Plus, would they make a Hocus Pocus 2 for a theatrical release? Maybe. It's hard to say. Who knows? But people wanted it. It's here. I don't get it. I really, really don't. I feel like uh, Tom Hanks in the movie Big. I don't get it. I just don't see what the appeal is of this movie. It's not funny. It's not entertaining it's not like oh it's kind of scary but like in a good way you know like no it's just nothing it's stupid i mean bet midler looks like she's having a ball and that's great good for her 
there's a Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall cameo. That's kind of cute. I like them. At one point, they go to a party and they're playing um, I Put a Spell on You. Ah, get it? Witches. That's kind of clever. But no, this movie is just bad and not funny. I can understand that like Disney does things beyond the movies and they have these like big Halloween parties at Disney World and they have parades and live shows and things like that and people love the Sanderson sisters they're like a big hit there okay neat but the movie on its own no it does not stand the test of time I don't really understand the appeal at all Uh, I think there's a million better movies you could watch at Halloween even with kids even something that's not going to scare them, that's going to be kind of a cute way of doing Halloween, like The Nightmare Before Christmas, frankly. I mean, that's another Disney movie that I think is a way better watch at uh, at Halloween. What do you think, James? It's definitely one of these questions that we've toyed with in this podcast. Do I like this film? No. Do I want to see this film a third time? No. Does this film stand the test of time? It's a stupid 1993 film, and it's still a stupid 1993 film today. I did laugh out loud at one or two things, uh, both Kathleen and Ninjami things, actually. Um, just a little reaction she made. I, I think she's funny. I, I just really like her. But um, the problem is the film itself is stupid. It could be fine. The witches' scenes are fine. Fine enough, actually, thinking, yeah, musical number. It's Kenny Ortega. You're going to put that in there. But um, I was just actually very bored by it. Um, If I wasn't bored by this film, I I really think I would say that this film does stand up. It's not a good film, but you place a kid in front of it. They seem to like it, or do they? I'm not sure if kids today would like it. Like You didn't see this with your kids, did you? I didn't. I asked my kids if they wanted to. Eli immediately said no. And when I asked my daughter if she wanted to watch it, she said no, because apparently she watched it with Courtney last year, maybe around Halloween time, and I wasn't around. I didn't watch it then. But she was like, no, that movie's terrible. Like, my daughter, who's nine years old, was like, no, that movie's awful. I I watch it once. I hated it. I don't want to see it again. So for a modern nine-year-old, that's her take. Yeah, you know, if anyone said they think the movie's cute, I'd say, okay, I didn't. But if you did, I get why you see it's cute. But the incredible love that Disney today would say, okay, let's give it, um, I don't know, $35 million to make a sequel. They're not putting $35 million into Newsies 2. They're doing Hocus Pocus 2. And when they announced it, to me, having heard about this film from people my whole life, it to me seemed like a no-brainer for Disney+. And I really think it's most, I can't say mostly, but a heavy element of nostalgia. It's the Disney Channel. It reminds you of easy 90s times. And I think a lot of people are going to be very happy watching Hocus Pocus 2. They're going to have a lot of nice references that you and I are not even going to get because we've seen this one to two times and we're kind of bored watching it. So we're not going to be like, ah, look, it's the subtle same background that that scene had in the dance number. So it's not made for us. But unfortunately, it's just not that fun a film. That's the only problem I really have with it. So again, this film does not stand the test of time. 
Yeah. Some of the Halloween costumes that like you see people wearing don't stand the test of time. Like the mom is wearing a Madonna costume and not just any Madonna costume, but the cone bra. Right. That's like the Vogue, like specifically early 90s costume that nobody would understand today if you're under 40. Right. Even if you know who Madonna is, you can know Madonna and know Madonna songs and not get that exact specific bra. I mean, it's basically the joke is the bra is pointy. Especially when the mother says, isn't it obvious that I'm Madonna? Right, right. At one point, Max, like, isn't wearing a costume because, you know, he's too cool. The sister's like, he is wearing a costume. He's a rap singer. I mean, that kind of made me laugh, you know, instead of saying a rapper. I feel like people would still say rap singer because, you know, it's like when they say, uh, you kids in your Tic Tac videos. Right, 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 right. Parents don't understand things. We're so lame. As a father, I can say that. All right, so we don't like Hocus Pocus, and we're not going to watch Hocus Pocus 2. But we are going to watch another movie next week. We're going to be talking about Roxanne, the Cyrano de Bergerac reimagining starring Steve Martin. I'm always excited to watch a movie with Steve Martin. Steve Martin in the 80s. I mean, Steve Martin in the 80s and 90s are peak. It's like the guy never fell from his peak, but this is when it was like, oh, there's a Steve Martin movie coming out. Let's go see it. Uh, Yeah, I was going to debate you on peak Steve Martin because I feel like he's still peaking, but I get what you're saying. I know what you mean. Of course, until then, we want to hear from you. We are at Test of Time Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let us know what you think about Hocus Pocus. Tell us that we're wrong for not liking this movie. If you loved it, if you loved the boy who played Max, if you loved the boy who played the old-timey brother, what was his name? Thackeray. Let us know. You can make fun of us. You can tell us that we're idiots. We are at Test of Time Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us hate. It's fine. But uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.